it's going to take time, it's going to take money. It's an investment. You're probably not going to get paid for the first year, two years that you have this business. That's perfectly normal. So it's, are you willing to take those risks? Are you willing to sacrifice those things to put everything into a brand? Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing. And after helping so many businesses in the e-commerce space over the years, I wanted to bring you the best advice Australian experts in e-commerce and e-commerce store owners had to offer. If you want relatable stories and actionable advice and the latest Facebook advertising strategies, you're in the right place. So let's get into today's episode. Today, we're here with Rebecca from Hatch. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. So I am obsessed with your business. I love what you do, but can you tell everyone what it is that you do and how it all started? Yes. So I launched Hatch uh, pretty much out of COVID. Um, I come from a background in fashion, working in fashion design for 10 years. And I just noticed that there was a huge need for people wanting that support to start their e-commerce brands in apparel design, product development. It's obviously quite a tricky thing to do on your own. So Hatch was born out of sort of supporting people in their endeavor to start their own businesses and help them with that product development side. Yeah, I love it. I've been going through your website and I really love your process. Like it's not just, we're going to build a website. It's not just, we're going to help you with the product design. Like you help with everything. So let's start with what are, I suppose, some key strategies to crafting a really unique brand? Because I know that's something you focus on. Yeah, I guess for me, as you said, you know, we do work on the whole process with our clients. So we're pretty much a one-stop shop. So we'll do the whole working toward creating your brand aesthetic, what that looks like, uh, helping you with your target market. And then, like I said, we'll swim to the design, development, manufacturing, helping source your suppliers. Uh, all the way through to production and also freight and logistics. But I guess the biggest thing that we've found is really when people come to us, if they've got a really solid idea, maybe some products that they are referencing or even just having a really good idea about this sort of brand direction and target market is so important. And I think it's something that a lot of people do sort of get lost and forget about. But, you know, it's really hard to move on with the the next steps without having a really strong idea and a strong idea of who your target market is. Yeah. So we have lots of people come on and they talk about how they have to have that sort of point of difference and that really does help people to stand out. Is that something that you help brands with or they kind of need to come to you with that already sorted? I guess for me that's sort of what um, helps me to decide what sort of clients I'm going to work with if someone's got a really strong point of view. If somebody is solving a problem with an issue that they want to solve and bring in a product to market that helps with that, that for me is someone I definitely want to work with for someone to have those sort of key points already sorted. It just makes the process so much more exciting and so I can sort of do my job to the best of my ability when I have that information and I'm working with someone that's obviously quite serious as well and has done that background research, you know, rather than someone just sort of waking up in the morning and going, oh, I'm going to start a brand today and I feel like designing (laughs) clothes. Um, which can happen a lot as well. So I guess right at the beginning, I really sort of focus in with a client and um, prospective client and yeah, work out exactly what they want and if they've got that really strong point of view. Yeah, I love that. So what would you say your like top tips and strategies are around product sourcing? Because I know that's a big thing that you help people with as well. Top tips and tricks, I would say really sort of learn from the experts, you know, find a mentor or find a business that can assist you or someone who's got that background because it is a very tricky, long-winded process as well. I mean, when I first started my first brand back in 2012, 2011, and I spent 
five figures of my own savings. I spent three years trying to find the right supplies. And I had already come from a background in fashion um, working for other people. And um, I found it so difficult just to find the right suppliers and get that process even just started. You know, you're spending so much money, spending so much time and you've got an idea and you're ready to go for it. The worst thing is to spend the next three years, you know, working with the wrong people and that kind of thing. So I think definitely if you can find a mentor or someone that can just help you and have someone who's got that experience is really the best investment you can make. I imagine it's quite overwhelming too. Like I've heard people say, just go to AliExpress. It's like, have you ever been to AliExpress? <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> There's so much there. You have no idea what's going on. You don't know whether so they're much. any good. And if you're trying to come up with something from scratch, like it's fine if you want to make a dress and it's, you know, just a normal dress. But if you want to come up with a, a unique product, like how do you do that? <laughs> if you've got that idea, that really strong idea, and it is something different than, I mean, I mean, Alibaba is amazing for so many things, even just something like perhaps packaging or, you know, like promotional caps or something for your business. Like it's great for things like that. It's got a purpose. Exactly. But I think a lot of people get lost in that thinking that that's what development is. That's what the supply chain looks like. And really there's so much more that goes into it. And it's also creating relationships, building those relationships over a long period of time that you actually can trust the factories that you're working with. And they'll do things for you. You know, they will help you. It gets them excited as well when it's a new product for them to work on. So I think that there is benefits in using platforms like Alibaba. But yeah, there's definitely so much more that goes into it. <laughs> oh, of course. I think, I mean, as you said, finding someone that you can get advice from that's kind of been there that can recommend people that can recommend things I think is just good business advice obviously you can't afford to do that when you're starting out with every stage but going with someone who sort of knows what they're they're doing and who to contact is always a a good a good idea yeah absolutely I mean like yourself you know being in marketing and you know it's the same thing giving those people people come to you your expertise and your advice and you know it's it's really making those investments at the beginning I think is super important and detrimental to starting off a business successfully yeah and I mean your product is so important like you don't want to get that wrong no well it's pretty much everything isn't it like next to marketing it's the product's everything and then when you're lucky enough to get those sales coming in the door the last (laughs) thing you want is to not have the product there and ready or not be at the quality. No, I love that. So obviously you've helped quite a few businesses through the startup phase. You've done it yourself many times. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned that, I mean, can apply to those listening? I think just starting. A lot of people waste a lot of time talking and not actually doing. I think there is a lot of risk involved in it, being prepared with those things up front. It's going to take time. It's going to take money. With an investment, you're probably not going to get paid for the first year, two years that you have this business. That's perfectly normal. So it's, are you willing to take those risks? Are you willing to sacrifice those things to put everything into a brand? There's a lot of, especially with Instagram, you know, there's influencers starting new brands, that sort of thing, making it look like it's just so easy and that you can make money overnight. <laughs> they really and do. really, that's just not. <laughs> exactly. And then half the time there's, you know, there's other people working behind the scenes for them to help them execute that. It's really not just them. But it's a great marketing strategy to have that person as the face of the brand, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you got a following too. That helps. Yeah, 100%. It's great for just for getting launching, really, if you've got that built-in database, in a sense, with followers. So, yeah, I think, I think it's just knowing the risks, but just diving in head first, and that's what separates the people, the doers, from the talkers. <laughs> that's what I always say to people. I'm like, are you a doer or are you a talker? Yeah, it says me who's been talking about launching a brand that we talked about before this for years and never done anything about it. Apparently, I'm a talker. Hey, fair, <laughs> no, fair, fair, fair. You've had your 
plateful with many other things. <laughs> to be fair, I already am running a business. So there you exactly, go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. You can't spread yourself too thin either, which you know I have been guilty of doing the same thing. <laughs> you touched on something briefly, and I don't know whether this is something that you help people with, but I know is something of interest to a lot of people, whether they're starting up or in business, that you don't pay yourself for the first year. Now, I obviously work with a lot of clients. You obviously work with a lot of clients. I'll often find that people will get into two, three years and they still haven't worked out how to pay themselves. Obviously, when Mm -hmm. you're starting out, you've got to be investing in the business and putting all the money back in. But do you have any like pricing tips to make sure that people don't end up in a position where they can never pay themselves? Well, at the beginning, there is a lot of heavy investment up front in terms of cash and cash flow targeted towards scaling a business, launching a business first and then scaling that up. I always say, like, be mindful of not scaling up too quickly, but also not missing the boat and not scaling up quick enough. So it's kind of finding that balance. And it's really where you want to place certain investments into. If you're lucky enough to perhaps have passive income from somewhere else or you do have a day job or whatever that is and you're happy to continue investing that money and not paying yourself through the business in the first couple of years, I think that's fantastic. That's amazing if you can just focus on growing the business and perhaps your goal is to not even generate an income. Perhaps it's about exit strategy and selling that business off. So it really depends on what your motivation is, what your goals are, and I think as well understanding just the capital that's involved, the cash flow that's involved, and also how much freedom do you really want in your business? Are you happy to contract out to other people and perhaps paying other people before you pay yourself? Yeah. I think it's good. I think we have had some people on the show before that are finance people and they go through these things in a a little bit more detail, but it's good for people to be aware of because I think a lot of people get a little bit disheartened when they start out and they're like, oh, I'm six months in and I haven't made my, like, I haven't paid myself yet. And it's like, well, starting an econ business is expensive. (laughs) It takes a lot. It absolutely is. And that's perhaps as well, you know, makes the difference between being an entrepreneur and not. (laughs) And having that sort of business savviness in you is that there's just things, it's not work and it's a passion and you just love it so much that you will put everything into it, including your free time, basically. Um, And hopefully it pays off. You know, it's a gamble. It's a risk. Well, I guess it's a calculated risk. Yes. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully if you've done your research. Definitely, like, don't be disheartened. I think that's the, like I said before, it's, you know, we've got this, culture on Instagram, social media, where everyone just looks like an overnight success and it's just not the case. Never have I witnessed anyone be an overnight success since I've started doing this. And you know, it's, a, it's a long road ahead. And even the people that are doing amazing and scaling up and paying themselves, you know, there's always that next step, that next step. And, you know, so just you're on your own path, stick to your path, know who your target market is, know who, what your brand is, know what your product is and just keep moving forward. I love that. I think I saw, I don't remember who it was, but there was a, a quote or a celebrity that was like, yes, I'm an overnight success that took 10 years to do. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember who it was. Samantha yeah. Will. So George like, Biner, yeah. It, it's one of those things you're like, yeah, I'm an overnight success, quote unquote, but it took 10 years of prep to get that overnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And to everyone else, it looks like, oh, where has she come from? Oh, wow, what a, what a success story and I mean, incredible story. Her story yeah. is amazing. And I don't know if you've read her book before, no. Samantha Will's book. It's actually a really, really amazing read because she talks not just about, I guess, the logistical side of starting a business, but the emotional side as well, which we just touched on about, yeah. you know, feeling like you're always behind or you should be further ahead than what you are. And she really touches on all of that and speaks from an emotional side as well, which is so helpful. So highly recommend her book. 
I have to add it to the, the list. Want help with your Facebook and Instagram ads? Remember, you can always book in a free strategy session at brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash free dash strategy dash session. We'll run through all of your ads, see what's working and what's not, and no sales pitch, I promise. So let's get back to today's episode. Now, obviously, you're helping on these businesses. Marketing is obviously a huge part of that. Is there any sort of tips for, obviously, you work specifically with startups, What's sort of your recommendations for startups in terms of where to focus their efforts on marketing? On marketing, I'd say have a good idea of what your budget is in terms of your product margin, what your investment capital is for the first couple of years and how it would be best spent. Obviously, that's very dependent on your target market. I was just thinking today, how many businesses rely, like literally every business relies on Meta. Now, like, what would we actually do? (laughs) And it's just to think that they're just in this absolute power seat. So I guess it's, for me, I've been starting to think a little bit outside the box and what can we sort of do that's beyond digital? Like, is it going to change again? Is it going to become this sort of like more multi-touch point? Because right now it's like everyone's pushing meta and the prices are escalating and it's a bidding war (laughs) right now just to get one sale in the door. That's it. I mean, that's what we do. And even we're saying to clients, like, you need to make sure you have your eggs in other baskets other than us because Facebook accounts go down, ad accounts go down. You can lose your Instagram following. Like, these things are not things that you own. And while you can have a lot of success with them, which we do, it's, it's, you're, you're relying on Mr. Zuckerberg. And that's a dangerous thing to put all of your, your eggs in. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's yeah, it's crazy how it's just become this yeah, such such a reliant thing. Yeah, I'm hoping it gets a bit more human. See, it's amazing how many eyes that you can get in front of through digital. Absolutely yes. incredible. But using that in the best possible way for your brand, for your target market, but then also looking at other things as well. Looking at that human experience. I think I had a client last year that launched her clothing label in Tasmania. And she came from a background of, uh, she had a retail store that was selling Aussie sustainable brands. So then she wanted to stock her own brand and start her own brand. And she launched, she came to me in February last year and she launched everything stock delivered by November. So a really quick process. And she's just completely blown up. She's now selling the retail store and just focusing all her time on the brand itself. And um, a lot of the things that she's been focusing on is obviously that database that human to human contact that she had with her customers in store, but then also creating little events and things, local events, and just that sharing and that organic sharing went really well for her, as well as balancing obviously that with the digital marketing side has been amazing for her. So so I think it's balancing both of those things and showing that human side as well. A hundred percent. I do sort of agree with you that I think there is going to be a rise in the, the human element. I think everyone's getting a bit over everything being online, especially after COVID when it's all we had. (laughs) I just think people really are appreciating that human connection. So I think it's a a really valuable opportunity for businesses. Yeah, absolutely. You can even see it through um, through digital advertising, you know, like it's become from spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on photo shoots, you know, brands were doing that to now it being quite organic and quite user generated and a little bit more human again through that side. So yeah, it's interesting to see how people are gravitating to that more accessible content. Is that realistic it looking more natural more like a real human uses it not to say that models aren't real humans but just that it looks it's got that real organicness to it and I think people respect that I guess they can see themselves in that yeah you know in that brand's clothing and that that oh that would work for me I can look like that you know rather than it being this 
ultra edited incredible which I can appreciate I you know like I said I come from a fashion background <laughs> so I absolutely adore and love all those sort of old school Gucci campaigns and they're incredible and they're an art form in themselves but um, 100% but I think we're in a completely different time and space these days and people are really looking interesting to see how it all plays out yeah definitely but, but it's great just any sort of content is just like to see anything creative and different is incredible yeah I love it. So I'll get into the last couple of questions we ask everyone. Do you have any strategies or habits that you follow each day to help you stay on track? Um, definitely exercise. I think that's so important. Getting a more personal here, but yeah, definitely exercise. A little bit of just starting to learn how to meditate. I think it is so important to put yourself in sort of a different, that positive mindset. We get so overwhelmed with just everything every day. So there's just so much content in our faces every day that it's just to have that moment to yourself. That's so important to me. I have to have that, especially yep. with you. I'm switching from project to project that it gets a little bit hectic. So just taking that time out for yourself, exercise, 100% and goal setting. Love that. It's interesting to see how once you actually do write your goals down and you go back and you go, oh, I actually feel like I'm in the right place. I'm exactly where I need to be. <laughs> I hilariously wrote my goals out for the year at the start of the year completely forgot about them um and then booked a solo trip to italy for three weeks and was like i wonder where that idea came from and then i got home and found my goals for the year and that was on the list <laughs> oh see i love that that's exactly that's exactly what i mean like write your goals down write little things down and then even if it's just in the notes on your phone yeah. and then when you go back to them and you're like oh i actually did do that or that's exactly me and you'll be surprised how just writing something down it's sort of just playing in the back of your mind that you will make it happen yeah your brain's like all right let's work out how to do this now thank you but yeah trip to italy <laughs> sounds nice hopefully it's some time off next year to do that <laughs> it was fantastic highly recommend <laughs> um do you have a favorite podcast um i'm really loving Stephen bartlett um, Diary of a CEO. Definitely my number one recommendation. I'm constantly sharing episodes. And I actually really like Shameless. Yep. It's an Aussie podcast. Um, I love just how light and it's just fun. A bit of pop culture. So I love that. But yeah, I highly recommend Diary of a CEO. There's some really incredible episodes and just so different. Like the diversity of the people and the, that he gets in is the conversation is really organic. It's just, it's cool. I um, love that. Do you have a favorite business book? Favorite business book? Actually, when I was young, very, very young, a kid, I think I was like, 12 years old my dad gave me rich dad poor dad I don't know if you've heard of that book. it's kind of this like 90s classic business book probably one of the first kind of you know business. I love because I have a photo of me at 11 reading at poolside so yes 100 percent it's hilarious so see so I was like what was my dad thinking giving me this book at 12 but I actually read it and um so I feel like that's just a classic that you would just give to everybody and it's probably more relevant today than than ever I need to read it again because I don't know that I've read it in the last decade. Oh, yeah. And it's just so 90s as well. Like, it just for me, I'm just like, oh, that is just such a 90s, like, classic business book. But I also love anything about habits. There's one I'm reading at the moment called Atomic Habits by James love Clear. Atomic Habits. And that's, yeah, that's one of the ones. Obviously, that's always highly recommended. Anything like that, anything that gives you goalposts, uh, little frameworks to work around, I love that sort of thing because they're actually actionable. Yeah. I'm a big actionable person. Like I said, you are not a talker. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and if people want to visit you and they want to learn more about you and your process, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes. So you can hop on to the Hatch website, which is gethatched.com.au and also on Instagram at hatch underscore Australia. I'm always on there sharing little tidbits and things. So wonderful and send me a message <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thanks Donna. 
Thanks for listening to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes at brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash episode 58. Thanks for listening.